back to Wisdom in This Haze. I am your host, Brian, and I apologize. It's been quite a bit of time since that uh, last episode. Uh, there's been a bit of life struggles going on. I'm pretty sure we're all aware uh, from day to day. Unfortunately, through a bit of a wrench in the works uh, as far as continuing this hobby, story time, if you will. But I appreciate your loyalty. I appreciate your patience. And uh, we're back again. So unlike with a lot of other episodes, I'm not going to bore you with a very long intro and rant, if you will. Uh, those of you that have been enjoying Setting Sun, I really appreciate the feedback. Once again, wisdominthishaze at gmail.com or on Facebook at wisdominthishaze. You know, please feel free to drop me a like, let me know what you think, um, good or bad. You know, I appreciate the opinions. Um, yeah, without further ado, we're just going to we're gonna go ahead and just dive right in. Um, I believe last we left Fountain and his friends, they uh, just realized that uh, what should have been just a little spat in an alleyway turned a little more deadly. And as a result, Fountain, um, much to his dismay, has discovered that one of their recent uh, scuffle victims was in fact a bloodsucker like the rest of them. Uh, with that come some very real implications. As uh, Fountain is a person that, uh, if you couldn't tell, likes to, for the most part, follow the rules, abide by the laws. And uh, we'll see just what that uh, entails for him in Chapter 3, Red Tape. Enjoy. Excuse me, sir, but what the hell did I do? I was good! Blue pleaded like a five-year-old being denied her candy. Fountain stopped at the opening to the alley, scanned the outside street before hurrying across. His companions followed silently behind, with no more comments or quips. They cut down another alley, followed it for two more blocks north. Fountain lit yet another cigarette, handed Blue a wet nap from inside one of his many internal coat pockets. Wipe yourself off. You're covered in blood. Look like you came from a Guar concert or something. Blue quietly complied, futilely attempting to wipe herself clean as Nikolai constantly spun in place to make sure they weren't being followed. Sirens could be heard a few blocks down, and it only hastened their escape. As they rounded another corner, Fountain caught sight of something familiar parked at a nearby meter. Oh, thank God. He excitedly tossed the remaining cigarette over his shoulder as Nikolai swatted it from the air. He hurried toward a maroon Lexus, sifting through his many pockets. He stopped at the trunk, patting his coat, and looked sadly at Nikolai. Where are the keys? Oh, yeah! Nikolai seemed to return from wherever he went, started fishing through his jacket and pants. A worried frown was returned to Fountain who consequently smashed his hand down on the trunk and bent the chassis an inch inward. They, uh, must have fallen out of my coat? He muttered meekly. Fountain took a deep breath and proceeded to demonstrate the versatility of the English curse to every possible degree. The few souls who wandered down the street stayed on the other end so they might avoid this swearing and blatantly upset mammoth of a man. Fountain took a couple deep breaths to calm himself and then shook his head frustrated at the dent in the trunk. Well, at least it's a rental. He uttered to himself as he threw his duffel bag onto the trunk. Why don't we smash the window and hotwire it? Blue piped up. Too many people around. Fountain shook his head and leaned back against the car with his hands in his coat. A limo rounded the corner a few blocks down and slowly pulled alongside the car. Fountain didn't move or remove his hands as Nick and Blue leaned beside him. The limo came to a rest as the back passenger side window rolled down slowly pair of sky-blue eyes set in a young man's face smiled back. His blonde hair was tied back in a ponytail, 
and a long goatee fell from his chin. He was young and attractive, maybe 18 or 19 years old, with perfect teeth and a strong, chiseled jaw. Something about his smile was less menacing than it should have been. It was more content, if not amused. Hello. Fountain nodded his head but said nothing. Get in. He continued with a vacant stare and a bemused smirk. Fountain looked to his companions, who both shrugged in unison. I'm uh, not on the market, sweetheart, Nikolai mused. The man turned to look at him, and his smile lowered to a scowl before it returned to Fountain. You and I need to have a chat. Bring your friends. We'll have drinks. He leaned over the seat and opened the opposite door. Uh, no thanks. Not interested. Fountain didn't budge. The man smiled complacently once more before dropping the pleasant demeanor. This wasn't a request. It was an order. Get in. Fountain considered Blue's concerned glance and Nick's disagreeing shake of the head before leaning forward and walking around the back of the car. They followed and stepped into the limousine. The upholstery was an absurd collage of reds and blacks that immediately appealed to Nikolai's style and nearly camouflaged him. The young man, who wore a buttoned-up black polo and blue jeans, pulled a bottle of champagne from a nearby ice bucket, deftly poured three glasses at once. He offered them to the three on the other side of the cabin. He motioned to the driver with a point, and the limo was off. The ride was quiet for the first five minutes, as he sipped at the champagne and remarked on its subtle pear undertones. The three raised their glasses to sniff in unison, before Fountain gulped it down in one swallow and handed it back. Let's skip the dramatic silence. Who are you? And what do you want? Fountain held the glass as the man poured with that unmarred sideways smirk. I am Israfel Alday. Your turn. He sniffed the wine again and studied Blue with a certain curiosity. She pursed her lips with a scowl and continued sipping at the wine. You don't look Arabic, Nikolai remarked. My great-grandfather was. I've been deluded a bit. He didn't remove his eyes from Fountain. Land stolen. My friends call me Fountain. He nodded to his companions. Blue, Nikolai. Indeed. And what brings you to the lilac city, Mr. Stolen? He gazed out the window and watched a trio of underdressed women stumble about drunkenly on the sidewalk. Just, uh, passing through? Fountain shrugged. Israfel failed to stifle a sarcastic laugh. <laughs> no one comes here willingly. Even I know that. Where are you passing through to? He leaned forward with his elbows on his knees. Now that is something I don't feel comfortable sharing with you, Mr. Alday. Fountain finished his champagne and rolled the stem around between his fingers. Well, now there's no reason to be rude, especially after I helped you, offered you a ride, and fed you $200 champagne. I thought I tasted Grand Cuvee. Is it crook? Nikolai leaned forward with interest. This appeared to change Israfel's attention as he returned to a beaming smile. A fellow connoisseur. Indeed it is. I try to stay away from the Dom, as it's just a name drop in most circles. I prefer my wine to not taste like... Like $400 rat piss? Nikolai finished his sentence and sent the two into a shared chuckle before Fountain interrupted. Excuse me, but you said you helped us? How exactly? Israfel returned to Fountain. We're here. I'll explain inside. The limo had stopped outside of what passed for a lavish hotel in this town. The facade was carved with mediocre care, and a black-tied valet proceeded to open Israfel's door. As they helped themselves out of the car, Israfel offered his hand to Blue, who shook her head and helped herself out. 
As they entered the hotel, a green sign with gold-gilded letters welcomed them to Hotel Lusso. The group was silent as they entered the elevator and ascended to the top floor suite. Israfel led the way down the hall with no real hurry and let them in with a swipe of his keycard. The inside of the suite was surprisingly roomy with a focus on the Art Deco style. A sofa here, a chair there. It was just another suite among the many Fountain had seen before. Israfel stepped behind the bar, stretching his arms in a variety of ways as though he were an athlete preparing for a game. He was surprisingly muscular, and though he only stood at roughly five feet eight inches, he had the mass to back it up. The three stood in a row in the sitting room, ten feet away, and didn't move. Please, make yourselves comfortable. He motioned with his hands before using them to conduct a symphony of liquors into an oversized silver tumbler. Blue leapt over the arm of the sofa and landed on her back. She kicked her shoes over the side and moaned quietly to herself before closing her eyes. Nikolai sat at the bar and idly chatted about Israfel's selection of scotch as Fountain leaned next to him. Well, uh, you gonna talk or what? I don't mean to offend, but I don't know you, and maybe I don't feel safe being somewhere I don't know. Fountain interrupted once again. Israfel brought the bottle of rum in his left hand down loudly and sighed. He brought his eyes up to Fountain's. Mr. Stolen, as a gesture of good faith, look around you. Did you not notice the lack of security on your way in? Someone like me, with an obvious abundance of money, should at least have a bodyguard or two, especially when he's picking up strangers off the street. Where's the trust? He continued to pour as Fountain looked away and thought. He had a point. There was nowhere else in the car or outside his room. They had an advantage over him. Could have easily left at any point. He shrugged. Now, Israfel continued, I brought you here to discuss what just happened only thirty minutes ago. He spoke as he poured out the contents of the tumbler into three glasses. Nikolai was uncharacteristically quiet and sipped his drink watching the pair. Well, Fountain searched for the correct words. You had a decent ruckus, albeit one-sided, but that's not the part that interests me. You also managed to shoot dead a man of certain disposition. Need I go on? Israfel raised eyebrows over the rim of his glass. Fountain didn't respond, but instead walked to the window and looked over the small city. He smelled the cocktail before taking a sip. It was a Mai Tai, poured a little heavy, but otherwise not bad. I didn't know till afterwards. He pulled on me first. He spoke without turning. Blue snored lightly, and then muttered something incomprehensible before rolling over into the cushions. This is true. I saw that with my own eyes, and it was quite a messy outcome, too, if I recall. The real question to ask yourself is, why would that be a concern to this unknown yet handsome gentleman before you? His smile had faded, and his face was more serious. Fountain stood straighter when the realization came to him. He turned and walked back to the bar. Because you might be someone in a position of power to enact penance? He asked as he put the empty glass on the bar. The penance he spoke of was the often swift and brutal way his kind dealt with traitors and lawbreakers. The tenants they shared kept them alive, and mercy wasn't often shown to those that violated them. Now you're getting warmer. Let's cut the game short. I am the prime of this region, or boss, or king, or whatever you want to call me. This isn't a position I was born into like some of those Atlantic blue bloods. No, I took this title, and unlike some of the idiots that reside here, I still stick to the tenants, albeit loosely. You know that I'm within my right for penance. Fountain opened his mouth to object, but Israfel continued on. 
if the man in question was of my clan, which he's not. Fountain began to speak, but stopped, unsure what to say. That waste of blood is part of Grant's tribe, and my city will not miss his presence. I would thank you normally, but with his death comes more problems. Grant will not be pleased to know one of his kin has been put down by another leech. He will demand to know who, and he's a pain in the ass enough that he'll find out. Sure, you can just skip town. I could try and look the other way and claim ignorance, but that's not how I operate. To be honest, I am a bit offended, so I'm going to offer you indemnity. Indemnity? Fountain asked. It means compensation, Nikolai quipped. I know what it means, Nick. Fountain shot him a look. Grant will be demanding to know the cause of his kin's death. Let's call him Chet. I hate Chet's, Nikolai voiced again. So, Israfel continued, when he fingers you, I highly doubt there'll be anything but blood that'll satisfy him. This kind of violence is just going to bring more trouble to me. And frankly, I don't care enough to want to deal with it. So I'm going to make this easy on both of us. I will contact Grant directly and tell him I have the identity of his progeny's killer and that you wish to parlay to explain your side of things. When you meet at a location of his choosing, you will remove him from this earth in a style you see fit. Once he and his rabble are dispatched, you will leave this town and I will not see you again. The Washington Council may raise a question or two, but this is hardly a blip on their radar and I'll make sure it's kept as such. I'll be rid of a thorn, and your transgressions will not be made public. All will be swept under the rug, so to speak. Israfel finished his drink and looked on expectedly. Do we have a deal? Fountain considered his options silently. He knew full well the implications of being branded as a kin killer. He would be hunted. There'd be nowhere safe to go. His sire would renounce his name, and he would have few, if any, allies left in the world. But being a hired gun was not his way either. He only answered to Kai Pole, and even then it was reluctantly at times. The thought of doing Israfel's laundry was loathsome at best. Call him. Fountain wrote his cell number on the back of a napkin and handed it to Israfel. He said nothing else and made for the door, stopping to shake Blue awake. Wait, what? You can't be serious. Fountain may be all right with this political bullshit, but I have no business here. Nikolai stood as well and began to put his coat on. You are his accomplice, but you're right. You've not taken anyone's life. You're free to leave and will not be named among his confederates. Though I doubt your loyalty to Mr. Stolen is so thin, you were quite quick to join the fray. Israfel was still very cool as he spoke. Nikolai leaned forward as he adjusted the shoulders of his jacket and spoke in a low tone that only Israfel could hear. Do not speak as if you know me. He turned and exited the suite, with Blue groggily in tow. Fountain stopped at the door and turned to Israfel again. I'm not making promises. Regardless of how this turns out, you will not see me again. He closed the door behind him. Once outside, the trio stood and moved nowhere fast. Well, that went well. Nikolai snatched the cigarette Fountain had just placed to his lips and lit it with a crimson zippo. Fountain pulled out another without a word to replace it. Blue stretched lazily and looked around. Where are we? She asked aloud. The three turned their heads in unison, first to the left, and then to the right. I have no clue, and really, I could give two shits. Fountain remarked and continued reading the front page of a newspaper in a nearby stand. The title read, 
New Mexico Governor Samuel Gutierrez calls for aid in border crisis. He dug through his pockets for some change, and then gave up when none was procured. Let's call a cab. We'll find the car later. Nikolai retrieved his cell phone and began tapping away to locate the number. I'm hungry, Blue pouted. Yeah, me too, kid. Fountain put a hand on her head and messed up her hair. After she shoved his hand aside, he proceeded to wipe the grease on his jacket with a grin. Across the street, a bouncer shoved two younger gentlemen onto the street, pointed silently at them before returning inside. The taller of the two straightened out his shirt and yelled back at the closed door. Yeah, well, fuck you too, then. I'm... I'm not that drunkish. I don't need your shitty bar. I'm gonna go get drunk somewhere else. Come on, Doug, let's go. He grabbed his friend by the arm and attempted to lead him down the street, swaying all over the sidewalk. Fountain glanced at Blue, who smiled back with an unfettered glee. We'll be right back, Nick. Have the cab meet us here. Fountain turned to speak to Nikolai, who was deep in conversation with a woman at the bus stop. She had a black fedora atop bright red hair, and every assortment of piercing throughout her face. She was pretty, but certainly not one to bring to the airport. Yeah, yeah, I heard you, shoo. He waved abstractly at Fountain without a glance. The two followed the drunken frat boys for six blocks before they finally made their way down a poorly lit street on the outskirts of the downtown area. One of the men stopped to urinate on a bush, and Fountain signaled to Blue. Without a sound, they approached the men. Fountain threw an arm around the taller man's neck, dragged him into the shrubbery, while Blue dropped to a crawl and then pounced on the back of the other. The whole ordeal was over in moments, and both emerged from the foliage along the side of the road. Fountain wiped his face with a handkerchief, and Blue licked her red-coated fingertips as the pair started their walk back to the hotel. The men would wake in a few hours with a splitting headache and no memory of what just had transpired, a perk of the curse that lent necessary subterfuge to their kind. The bite alone wasn't enough to turn someone into a leech. It was a painstaking ritual involved sharing of blood, and thus kept their population from spreading too fast. They had made it two blocks when Fountain became aware of something he had overlooked. The imbibing of alcohol and food was highly unnecessary amongst his kind, for they gained all their sustenance from the blood of their victims. Most often it was done to blend in with mortal society, or sometimes simply out of habit. No matter how much he slammed back his favorite scotch, Fountain would be cursed to never get drunk. The only exception to this was if the alcohol, or any other chemical substance for that matter, was already present in the blood of a mortal. And in this case, these two men were pissed drunk. Fountain stopped at a crosswalk as a half-dozen cars began to accelerate at the recently turned light. He held his hand to his forehead and swayed slightly. Whoa. It's been a while. Hey. Hey, Blue. He turned slowly, using the light post to stabilize him. Blue was twenty feet away laughing hysterically and lying in a small ditch along the side of the road. I I tried to walk, but the sidewalk went away. She burst into laughter again, this time almost in tears. Fountain stumbled back to her side and proceeded to lift her up before his balance was lost and the two rolled back into the ditch. Fountain, this time, was the one to laugh. It had been a long night, and he deserved a smile, he thought. He finally regained enough composure to raise himself and blue from the wet grass. He did his best to keep her upright, as they leisurely strolled back to their original destination. Nikolai stood beside a yellow cab, arguing through the passenger side window. Listen, you're getting paid either way, so just sit your ass right there, and I'll tell you when we can go. He breathed an exasperated sigh at the sight of his friends. <sighs> Finally, where the fucks have you two been? Fountain tripped over nothing, sent the pair of them against the side of the cab, laughing all the way. 
The cab rocked slightly. The driver yelled something incomprehensible. Fountain opened the rear door, clumsily shoved a maniacal blue into the back seat. Listen, I'm sorry, man, he spoke to the driver. I just, uh, just had t- two whiskeys. He held up four fingers and snorted before tripping his way into the back seat beside Blue. Nikolai rolled his eyes, shook his head side to side, and sat in the front seat. Don't worry, I'll tip, he muttered to the driver. Isn't there a Super 8 motel around here or something? No! Fountain drunkenly yelled from the back seat. We have to go to the dam. It's safe there. Nikolai glanced over his shoulder and stared him down. Fountain blinked a few times and quieted. Yeah, I'll get you guys there. The driver begrudgingly responded, and the car lurched forward into traffic. Are we in a car? Blue spoke aloud with newfound distress. Her eyes showed an animosity that invoked Nikolai and Fountain to share the same wide-eyed terror. Might, uh, want to get us there, um, faster, sir. Nikolai spoke to the driver, who was completely unaware of the ball of potential crazy that was about to unfurl on his back seat. All right. Well, that was the end of Chapter 3, Red Tape. I do hope you enjoyed that. Just as a little, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Teaser, if you will. The next chapter is titled, I Was the Bait. And if you have any idea what that entails with Fountain and his friends, you know it can't be good. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, we'll see you next time. With any luck, we'll have one out before the holiday, but in case you don't hear from me again, I hope you have the happiest of Thanksgivings. Ciao.